بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين الصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته سورة التوبة سورة التوبة is the only سورة in the Quran which does not begin with بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم the basmala However, you will find an extra Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim in Surah An-Naml, the 27th chapter of the Quran in Sulaiman's letter to the Queen of Sheba. So, there is no deficiency in the Quran of Basmalas. There is exactly the same number of Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahims as there are chapters of the Quran. Why is there no Basmala? Simply the Prophet ﷺ, when he instructed the companions, he did not put a Basmala between Surah Al-Anfal and Surah At-Tawbah. Hence, when the companions collected the Qur'an into one Mus'haf, they did not put a basmala between Surah Al-Anfal and Surah At-Tawbah. As for the wisdoms, you can refer to Shaykh Al-Uthaymeen's discussion on this issue, but it will effectively come back to the same conclusion that the Prophet ﷺ simply did not instruct to put a basmala between the two surahs. Now, to understand the context of this surah, and the particularly harsh note at the beginning of the surah, you have to understand this is one of the final surahs to be revealed in the Qur'an. And it was returned. Uh, it was revealed on the return of the Prophet ﷺ from the Battle of Tabuk. He returned in the Hajj season and he wanted to make Hajj. But then he remembered that the pagans were still making Hajj around the sacred house. They were doing so venerating their idols and were still... They were doing so naked, just singing and dancing around the sacred house, around the Kaaba. So the Prophet ﷺ hated to be in this situation, and instead he deputized Abu Bakr radiallahu anh, to lead the Hajj and to show the Muslims the correct rites of Hajj. They were doing so while they were still pagans uh, around the Kaaba, they were still doing the idolatrous practices, they were still doing the obscene practices. But the Prophet ﷺ wanted now to put an end to this. So after Abu Bakr was dispatched to lead the Muslims, the Prophet ﷺ sent Ali radiallahu an with a declaration to the whole of the Arabian Peninsula that this would be the last year that the pagans will make Hajj and defile the sacred house, the Kaaba. The surah begins, بَرَاءَةٌ مِّنَ اللَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ إِلَى الَّذِينَ عَاهَدْتُمْ مِّنَ الْمُشْرِكِينَ this is a declaration of disassociation from Allah and His Messenger to those with whom you had made a treaty amongst the polytheists. فَسِيهُ فِي الْأَرْضِ أَرْبَعَةَ أَشْهُرٍ وَعْلَمُوا أَنَّكُمْ غَيْرُ مُعْجِزِ اللَّهِ وَأَنَّ اللَّهَ مُخْزِ الْكَافِرِينَ So travel freely throughout the land for four months, but know that you cannot cause failure to Allah and that Allah will disgrace the disbelievers. In these ayat, a period of four months' notice was given, ending all diplomatic ties and dissolving all indefinite peace treaties with the pagan Arabs of the peninsula. Any treaty which lasted less than four months, once it came to the end of its period and expired, it would not be renewed. Those tribes that had peace treaties with the Prophet ﷺ lasting more than four months, they would still be honoured. So Ali radiallahu anhu was sent to the camps of the Hajj to make this declaration on the 9th of Arafah. And he went round reciting the verses of Surah At-Tawbah and declared, 
No mushrik, no pagan will be allowed to perform hajj after this year, nor a naked person to perform tawaf around the Kaaba. So it was a very clear declaration that those idolatrous practices, those obscene practices, would not be tolerated in the sacred house. The next verse وَآذَانٌ مِّنَ اللَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ إِلَى النَّاسِ يَوْمِ الْحَجِّ الْأَكْبَرِ أَنَّ اللَّهَ بَرِيءٌ مِّنَ الْمُشْرِكِينَ وَرَسُولُهُ فَإِنْ تُبْتُمْ فَهُوَ خَيْرٌ لَكُمْ وَإِنْ تَوَلَّيْتُمْ فَاعْلَمُوا أَنَّكُمْ غَيْرُ مُعْجِزِ اللَّهِ وَبَشِّرِ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا بِعَذَابٍ أَلِيمٍ And it is an announcement from Allah and His Messenger to the people on the day of the great pilgrimage that Allah is disassociated from the disbelievers and so is His Messenger. So if you repent, that is best for you. But if you turn away, then know that you will not cause failure to Allah and give glad tidings to those who disbelieve of a painful punishment. What you will notice that even in this harsh tone where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the Prophet are giving four months notice that all peace treaties after this will be dissolved and will come to an end. There is still the door to repentance which is left open. There is great emphasis in this verse for repentance and turning back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. فَإِن تُبْتُمْ فَهُوَ خَيْرٌ لَكُمْ So if you repent, then this is best for you. In fact, the concept of forgiveness and turning back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is mentioned a staggering 17 times in this surah. And that's the name of the surah, where it comes from, Tawbah. Surah At-Tawbah means repentance. The actual name comes from verse 104. Do they not know that it is Allah who accepts repentance from his servants? and receives charities, and that it is Allah who is the accepting of repentance, the most merciful. Even though it is a surah which has a harsh tone, especially against those who reject faith, and the hypocrites, and the people of the book who corrupted their religion, the door to repentance is flung wide open. Now a person may well question, the Prophet ﷺ is the prophet of mercy, but how is it that such an ultimatum was given to the pagans? that they only have now four months after which peace treaties are dissolved. The Prophet ﷺ is the prophet of mercy, but he's also a formidable leader and a visionary. The pagan practices in the Arabian Peninsula included burying daughters alive in the desert sands, making a living through raiding other tribes purely for financial motives, and making ta'af around the Kaaba naked. The Prophet ﷺ was not going to let these practices stand. He was not, knowing the formidable leader he was, simply allow this to happen under his watch, under his authority. If you look back at history, any great nation, you will find a visionary leader who unified the country's various provinces. Look at the United Kingdom, look at the United States, look at France. If you go back far in history, you will find they were isolated provinces, each one fighting each other, each one trying to assert its own authority until you find a leader who is charismatic enough, who has the vision to unify the ranks of that country and make it a single political entity. This is what the Prophet ﷺ had done. Michael Hart in his famous work, The Hundred Most Influential Men in History, described the Prophet ﷺ as the single most influential person in history. Why? He was the only man in history who was supremely successful on both the religious and the secular level.
He was a spiritual guide who conveyed the message of Islam, but he was also a political leader who established Islam uh, on a political, military and social level. In verse 33, It is he who sent his messenger with guidance and the religion of truth to manifest it over all other religions, although they who associate others with Allah dislike it. When hearing verses like this, the problem is that people associate this kind of tone and the concept of war and religion through the lens of Christian history, which is largely based on forced conversions, using war, using power as a means of forcibly converting people. The Prophet ﷺ was not interested at all in forcing anybody to convert to Islam. And that's not what these verses are about. You can find in Surah Al-Baqarah, La ikraha fiddin, there's no compulsion in the religion. And the actual context of that verse is when the Prophet ﷺ expelled uh, the tribes of Banu and Nadir for repeated assassination attempts on him. When the Prophet ﷺ expelled these people, there were some Arabs, some uh, children of the companions, in fact, who were living with them, who had actually, uh, from before the time of Islam, accepted Judaism. And the companions tried to force them to convert to Islam to prevent them from being expelled. And the Prophet ﷺ did not allow this. Nobody is allowed to be forced to become a Muslim. But what the Prophet ﷺ did was to bring the system under the control of Islam. These verses talk about making the word of Allah the highest. That is in terms of legislation, the way society is organized as a system, it should come according to the, it should be under the religion of Islam. But as for people on a personal level, they have the freedom to believe what they want and practice whatever religion that they want. The surah also speaks about at length the battle of Tabuk, which was against the Romans and was one of the most difficult expeditions, both in terms of the vast numbers and armies that they faced and the length of the journey that they had to go through and the intense heat and the lack of supplies. This situation brought out the reality of the hypocrites who openly rebelled against the Prophet ﷺ. And then they started to bring their excuses to the Prophet ﷺ and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala exposed this. In verse 45, إِنَّمَا يَسْتَأْذِنُكَ الَّذِينَ لَا يُؤْمِنُونَ بِاللَّهِ وَالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرِ وَارْتَابَتْ قُلُوبُهُمْ فَهُمْ فِي رَيْبِهِمْ يَتَرَدَّدُونَ Only those who ask permission of you, who do not believe in Allah and the last day, and whose hearts have doubted, and they are in their doubt, hesitating. The surah also exposes the plots of the hypocrites who tried to establish a mosque as a base to undermine the Prophet ﷺ. And in verse 108, the Prophet ﷺ and the companions are given an order never ever to stand in this place. The verse ends on a very optimistic note, on a very merciful note. In, ver uh, in verse 128, لَقَدْ جَاءَكُمْ رَسُولٌ مِّنْ أَنفُسِكُمْ عَزِيزٌ عَلَيْهِ مَا عَنِتُمْ حَرِيصٌ عَلَيْكُمْ بِالْمُؤْمِنِينَ رَعُوفُ الرَّحِيمِ There has certainly come to you a messenger from amongst yourselves. Grievous to him is what you suffer. He is concerned over you and to the believers is kind and merciful. When you read the seerah, you will see that the Prophet ﷺ forbearance for this ummah and worry and concern that people should be saved from the hellfire. 
but that they also also should not be overburdened overburdened in matters of religion. The Prophet ﷺ is truly harisun alaykum, so concerned over people's welfare. I don't think it's possible to easily translate translate uh, this verse raufur rahim, uh, not just kind and merciful, but oozing mercy and so concerned and so anxious for the believers. The companion Anas ibn Malik radiallahu narrates, I served the Prophet for 10 years. By Allah, he never even said to me, uff, once, the smallest word of discontent. He never said harshly for anything, why did you do that? And he never said to me, why did you not do that? Anas also mentioned that he never smelt anything like the fragrance of the Prophet and he never touched anything as soft as the hand of the Prophet هذا وصلى الله على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته